Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is the podcast where we discuss construction safety, typically trench excavation and confined space safety, but also other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. I am Rick Plosinski, Customer Training Specialist, and with me is Kevin Noonan. Good morning, Rick. Happy to be here. My name is Kevin Noonan. I am a uh, product development manager with the Services and Advanced Solutions Group at United Rentals, and really my role is innovation and safety and productivity. A lot of that relates to our smart job site initiatives. Prior to United Rentals, I was a co-founder and president of a technology services firm based out of San Diego. And prior to that, I was a Marine Corps officer for five years. Thank you. So our conversation will hopefully be informative and educational so we can help you avoid injuries and fatalities while on the job. Now, today, Kevin and I will be discussing this relatively new and very exciting concept of how newer technology has led to the possibility for a smart or connected job site. And Kevin, when you talk about this, I bet this has people conjuring up a vision of a George Orwell novel where Big Brother is always watching, but it's not just about keeping track of where people are. So can you give us an overview of this connected or smart job site concept? Absolutely. And you'll hear it called a number of things. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as a connected job site, a smart job site, an internet of things job site. And really, they're all mean about the same thing. It's truly the introduction of safety and productivity through innovation. And that typically involves the introduction of safety and productivity through the fusion of people and equipment. And what I mean by that is, for example, equipment access management, which allows us to have decentralized and distributed fleet and also allows us to assign access based on skills, craft, and organization. So how that breaks down, if I'm not a forklift licensed driver, then I should not access the forklift, things like that. Also think about it from access management of people. So that's the situational awareness of persons arriving and departing a job site. Very good example would be a turnstile with a badge. I have my badge, I swipe at the gate, and it authenticates me. If I don't have a reason to be there or access to the site, that's how this job site gets a little smarter. On the productivity side, we see that through the really job site design based on an an operational cadence of persons, equipment, and potentially tools. So for example, uh, where are the entrances and exits? Where are the logistics areas? Where are the potentially cafeterias? That's That's how we think about job site design. Uh, from a safety perspective, that's where it could be uh, location services, where it, we do have a reason to want to know where everybody is from a safety perspective. That allows us to do very, uh, very robust data-driven evacuations in, in, if that's necessary. From a safety perspective and a smart job site, this also allows us to do some things like fall detection. With, with the use of a sensor, we'll know if we've had a person had a fall, not only that a fall has occurred, but where that individual is. Uh, There's also items like proximity sensors, which really provide for collision avoidance and also the ability for uh, individuals to identify unsafe environments, whether through equipment or behavior or a variety of things. When you think about that smart job site, it's not only that alert, it's hopefully coupled with a location service. So it's this is not only the situation, but the leadership team, the, the, the management, the safety groups have a very 
solid idea of where this event is occurring. That's that's in a nutshell, a lot of those key items that come through when we start talking about a smart job site, an IoT job site, or a connected job site. So you can use this in a number. There's so many different ways that you can actually utilize this technology. Uh, one of the things that you said was interesting, and I think it leads, leads to this concept of geofencing, where if somebody were to be in a particular area that maybe they did not get authorization to be in, uh, say, for example, a confined space or in a confi- an area where a confined space is, that will alert somebody to say, hey, somebody is in there that they are not authorized to be. Uh, we need to get them out. And when you think about geofence and let's call it location service, that can be done through a variety of ways. That could be done through RFID, through RF, through GPS, through Bluetooth Low Energy. The point is, regardless of the the underlying technology, to your idea, yes, we can. We can do this in a variety of ways. We have this for entrances and exits. We can do this for areas that are... uh, there is some level of physical security measures in place. And so it may not be a a specific OSHA type confined space, but it is an area where we are interested in having some level of physical security. And on the other hand, in some of our uh, petrochemical environments, they do these uh, events called turnarounds where it's not uncommon for a facility to have, let's call it a thousand temporary workers for three months. Well, these sites are very large, very dynamic. And so it's where we can provide the, the leadership team and the workers with situational awareness of, look, we, we're this is a thousand acre site. We're expecting everybody to be within these five acres. And this helps us if we do see that maybe somebody got lost or somebody was sent to the wrong area or a team of people are sent to the wrong area. That's the type of things that we can do that, that truly make this site safer and more productive. Another thing that kind of comes to mind is something that you mentioned about evacuation procedures. Each oil refinery that I was in, and I was in a number of them over the course of a few years, each refinery has their own specific alerts for different types of things, right? If you had five short blasts versus five long blasts of the horn, that means that there was a weather thing coming in. If there were three long blasts followed by three short blasts, that meant that there was perhaps a benzene leak or something along those lines. With this technology, the alerts can actually be more detailed, more refined. And not only that, you're not expecting everyone to just be able to hear a general horn that is that is sounded in the in the general area but it's going to go to them specifically on their on their devices or what have you that they're carrying around with them so that if they're in maybe a noisy area where they cannot hear some of those things they are able to actually get that alert right there and then and then they can evacuate at that point correct and another thing to consider is not only an evacuation but the notice of receipt And so let's say there's 2,000 workers at the site and and an evacuation does go out. That acknowledge receipt capability provides a lot of value. And then what we can also do is have data-driven muster areas. So rather than uh, or to complement, let's say, uh, pencil and paper at a muster station, we can leverage technology to dynamically collect that information. So when you think about the evacuation notice goes out to everybody all at once, and then we're able to monitor the movement towards muster areas, we're able to understand who's acknowledged receipt, and then we're able to 
dynamically collect information at muster areas. It's a very robust capability. And so they, we actually released a case study about this with a project, a hospital project in Los Angeles. And their uh, reduction in terms of end-to-end of an evacuation was they reduced the total time by about 60%, which is relatively uh, disruptive when you think about that from uh, what they were, what their previous idea was of how to do this versus how they were conducting it with leveraging some some of our uh, technology that's out there. Yeah, that would that would actually be very significant. Sixty uh, percent is a significant reduction in in evacuation procedures. That's that. I mean, that's that's the difference between several lives. Yep, it, it potentially it has that potential to do that type of improvement. Absolutely. So, what other places have you seen where this technology really has to come into play? collision avoidance, which is really the use of uh, radar on uh, forklifts or other types of equipment for blind spot support so that the operator of that forklift will know that, let's say, there are 10 individuals within their crush zone. The other area is on our equipment access management, which allows us to provide for keypads or RFID that workers are authenticated on the equipment. Also, from a safety perspective, then we're able to do a lot more remote support of that equipment. And from a maintenance perspective, that, that does add a, a lot of value. On, our, on the location services, we have done a lot of work at petrochemical sites for what you had brought up earlier, the turnaround support, where we've got a facility that's going to undergo a four-month turnaround and we're going to not only provide for location service of the equipment, but also the individuals. And in their world, what they're doing is actually establishing for the entire site productive versus non-productive areas. And they're not step counting, when they're not breadcrumbing individuals. What they are doing is collecting this information in the aggregate to help that leadership team understand are, is the site optimized for what they're trying to accomplish for that day, for that week, for that month? So uh, we've deployed to what I refer to as uh, urban vertical projects, uh, horizontal projects, distribution centers, data centers, petrochemical sites, mills, variety of operational environments. You and I actually, we just did a convention in Denver where we, and we, we had a roundtable discussion and there was a gentleman that was really bummed out about that whole keypad initiative, the keypad on the equipment idea, because that didn't allow that would basically keep him as an electrician uh, kind of stealing the scissor lift of the plumber and being able to actually utilize that scissor lift uh, on the job. Uh, he, he didn't like that idea. Kind of got a chuckle in the room. But but in all seriousness, I mean, when you when you think about some of those things and you think about even some of the smaller job sites that aren't just the big thousand acre sites, you know, some of the smaller job sites. This is something that is real time because when you do have a bunch of, let's say it's just a tilt up for a distribution center, right? It's not a very, it's not the largest site, but you've got a lot of different equipment out there. And if you can, you know, make sure that those are locked out, then you can avoid a lot of those liabilities, if you will, of somebody actually grabbing a scissor lift and, well, I have the key, so now I'm authorized, right? Because authorization has always followed the key in those situations. But in this particular case, you'd be able to lock it out. And that way, 
non-authorized users couldn't utilize that equipment. Right. And, and there's, um, there's safety components to this and training and obviously some, some productivity concepts. And I did think that gentleman's comment was, was very funny, but also very true. To your point about the size of job sites, absolutely. Um, what we find is it really isn't that the overall size, it's more what is the customer trying to accomplish? And that could be a four acre site that's going vertical in New York City. It could be a thousand acre site in Texas or you know, a bit of an all of the above. As we think through our connected, smart, IoT, whatever we wish to call it, it goes back to that earlier concept of how do we optimize people and equipment at a job site and make it, hopefully, make it a lot easier for individuals to perform their tasks. And uh, when we're doing that, that's incredibly exciting. As a trainer, I love that idea about tying in the training aspect to some of these things. I mean, if you have somebody who is about to go and do some type of operation and they haven't been trained or they haven't been certified for whatever operation they're going to be, that could very well flag something. You could theoretically put something in the system that would actually flag you to say, hey, look, somebody is doing this or somebody is in this particular area. They have not been trained to be in this area or to perform these operations. We need to pull them out and we need to make sure that they either A, get the training or B, do not continue on with that operation. Absolutely. And and that's a very, it's a fun and exciting and intellectually curious place to operate because as to your point, as we bring forward this training component and digitize that and make it so that it's flowing through, whether that's a, a clip that's worn on your PPE or your RFID, you know, your badge, which typically will use RFID type technologies. When we're really bringing all those things together and, and fusing them. So uh, I think, Rick, you'll appreciate this. Obviously, we don't want an individual having to carry five different badges or a variety of things. We really want to make this as simple as possible. And it's exciting because we are incrementally moving towards that operational environment where we brought together the training components, the safety components, the productivity components in a way that's truly making this job site function safer and more productive. The other fun part is to look forward and see what this technology is actually going to lead to in the future. You really can honestly see, look at this and go, you know, maybe the sky is actually the limit in this case. This will actually simplify and make people's lives a whole lot easier going forward. The example I use is I think we're just starting to understand the power of location and what I mean by that is understanding physically, horizontally, and vertically where a person or a piece of equipment is on planet Earth at a job site and how that can optimize and provide for better decision making with that information in hand. And I think we're still, in a lot of ways, in the early adoption of this, uh, but that's really where we're going towards. Uh, the I use an example of not too many people give back their mobile phones and say, you know what, I'm good. I'll go find a pay phone. That capability just provides so much more robust capability than the previous iteration. Uh, I am excited that that's where I see us going with safety and productivity, where by knowing 
the location of equipment, by knowing the location of our persons. There's all these things we can do. And once an individual or an organization is operating at that level, who would really want to go back to guessing where everything is? It's just not, that's just not a very common sense approach. And that kind of leads to, you know, something that you and I talked about when we were prepping for this and talking about sustainability and a greener operation. Because if you happen to know where equipment is, and likewise, if you could actually pull the data from equipment, instead of having to go out there and do the diagnostic on site, if you can already pull that information, then you might have the equipment or the tools or the the the, the parts or whatever you need in order to be able to take care of that situation. That's going to make for a lot less carbon footprint. Your foot carbon footprint is going to be less. You're going to be, you know, using, you know, burning a lot less fossil fuels to get back and forth. Absolutely. And from a sustainability piece, it's a variety of, of ways where, where, where this will go. As you brought up, if we have fleet that's distributed, the more that we can remotely monitor the health of that equipment, the better off we are as far as managing the maintenance aspects of this. Maybe we can handle it remotely, or maybe we don't have to take equipment physically from a site and bring it to a maintenance area or a branch. Maybe we can have a technician that's going to multiple sites and just think about the reduction of, of, of that logistical movement of all this equipment. Uh, that's just on the, 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 transportation aspect of this physically on site of knowing maybe machines have been turned on too long maybe they don't need to be on that's that's an area so fuel consumption fuel levels the our telematics component of this smart job site initiative is really just getting more robust every day uh, if you were to look back and say maybe the foundation of it is location and utilization if you were to look at it today it's location utilization and a multitude of other items that we're managing to proactively and that has strong implications as far as meeting sustainability goals and objectives so this has been Behind the Standards with United Rentals. If you have any questions about this topic or have any suggestions about other topics that you want to be discussed, feel free to send an email to urtspodcast at ur.com. For additional content and training information, go to trenchsafetyevents.com. On behalf of Kevin and myself, thanks for listening. Have a great day and stay safe.